Amen. Hello, everybody. My name's John. What's your name? <laughs> Got it. Got it. Uh, I want to repeat how great of an honor it is for all of us to be together from Manhattan and from Brooklyn. Uh, what a joyful noise we're making today. And I know you guys have fought to get here through bike, uh, all kinds of traffic craziness. And I know the top row is filling up. Just look around and let's encourage one another being here and join this time together. Appreciate uh, so much Al Baker coming up and his sentiment. And uh, if you didn't know, Al Baker was appointed an elder in the New York City Church of Christ just a few months ago. We're so grateful for him and Glenda uh, being here and serving in so many different ways. Uh, You might not know uh, this about Phil Garrison, but uh, today is his birthday. Is Phil Phil still around? I know he's running around serving. Phil, are you? Come on up here, Phil. I got you a birthday gift. Transitions, uh, come here. Transitions can be challenging, and uh, Phil and his family have moved uh, over 10 times in just as many years. Five times in the last five years. Five times in the last five years. And they do it to serve the church. And I know he's so excited about his vision uh, to connect here in Brooklyn and to see God glorified here. Uh, We're all excited for this new partnership. And I'm just so grateful for your service and praying for Leslie. I mean, they just moved yesterday and she's got pneumonia. Um, So there's a lot going on. So we got you this. You can open it now if you want. You want to shake it? What do you think it is? It's not chocolate. He's a, he's a careful opener. It's all right. It's all right. Take your time. Wow. Show everybody. Read what it is. Of course, everyone in Brooklyn knows about the underground treasures of this incredible borough. So now you're going to get taught and get the fast track. So congratulations. Happy birthday. All right. Today, we're going to talk about building bridges. And you can open your Bibles to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. What is the purpose of a bridge? Yeah, you can say it. Yell it out. What is it? Yeah. Okay, all those are right. Good job. Connect two places together to get over something, to bypass something, an overpass. It makes accessible what was once difficult or impossible to reach. Usually it unites two sides. And the type of bridge depends on the terrain that it's trying to get over. Water, rocks, ravine, a freeway. So today we're going to talk about three spiritual bridges that Jesus builds in his prayer in John 17. You guys there? Let's read in John 17, starting in verse 1, and we'll start into the first bridge. It says, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. 
Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, drop down to verse 23. And just a little tag I want to add here. It says, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Point number one is the bridge to God. The bridge to God. So I'm going to talk about three bridges. The first one is building a bridge to God. You know, this passage that we just read from in John 17, and we'll read some more in just a minute, is one of the most intimate passages of all scripture. Uh, This is Jesus praying his heart out. He's nearing the end. If you start thinking about uh, one day, you know that you're going to pass and you know you're getting close. And these are one of those final prayers that you have. This is that place where Jesus is at right now. And so he's praying, and uh, one of the commentaries that I was reading in preparation for the message talks about and highlights the fact that you see him address God as the Father many times in this prayer in John chapter 17. Father, Father. And he does that a lot, but here six times in this prayer that we're going to be reading. You know, being Jewish myself, I don't know if you guys knew that or not, but I'm Jewish by blood uh, through my mom. Uh, When I was growing up, I got to celebrate not just Christmas, uh, but also Hanukkah because uh, we had both. So I got more gifts than you did. Uh, We also did Easter and Passover, so I got better food. And uh, it was just a blast growing up. Maybe it got a little confusing, but eventually I figured it out. But being Jewish myself, I noticed in visiting my grandmother's synagogue, that there was a very formal way of addressing God all the time, very formal, very proper. He is creator. He is divine. His name, though, is not even to be uttered or fully written. We have to be very careful about how we talk about God in the Jewish context. And so you see him sort of from afar, the Jews do, but not necessarily up close. There's reverence, but not relationship so much. So I noticed this growing up and watching and learning and then learning about Jesus myself in the church here and hearing Jesus say to God that he is our father is quite a big deal, especially in the Jewish context. 2,000 years ago, it would have actually been blasphemy for anyone to call God the divine Yahweh dad. And so we understand that for those of us who've studied the Bible for a length of time, but understand this, back then as he's praying and people are recording how he's praying, there is a, a, a constituency there that is absolutely in opposition of the way he's addressing God. No way can you build a bridge that's so personal to the God creator of the whole universe. So he's challenging their view of God. Look in verse three again in the text. This particularly jumps out to me. His prayer is that they would know God the Father. Jesus prays that we would walk on that personalized bridge that he built for us. Now, I want you to imagine someone in your life that you know very well. 
all right? Maybe they're sitting next to you. Uh, maybe they're not in the room, but imagine them in your mind's eye. Uh, imagine all that you know about them, all their idiosyncrasies, the things they like, the things they don't like, uh, the food they like, the food that uh, is too hot for them, or the food that they uh, appreciate on their birthday, birthday gift. Think about all the details for a minute. Because what we're talking about here is getting to know God, and so we're going to relate it to the way that we get to know someone, all right? So I've chosen mine, uh, and it's my wife, uh, my wife Arlene, who you saw up here earlier. I love her very much, and I feel like I know her pretty well. Uh, Arlene, you think I know you pretty well? All right, all right. Uh, We have confirmation, confirmation from the crowd. All right, we were uh, were best friends before we dated, uh, and we have been co-workers for 19 years. Uh, we've been married for 17 of those uh, years, and uh, well, 16, 16 going on 17. Uh, I know her favorite foods, her colors, music, pet peeves, clothes sizes, height, weight, shoe size, ring size. You better know that. That's important. Birthday. I know her social security number. Don't test me afterward. You try to trick me into taking our money. I won't give you that. I know her medical chart, what she needs, what she doesn't need, uh, the vitamins she takes. I know her reading list. I know her bucket list. I know her prayer list. Uh, I could write her personal biography easily, including the details of her life before I ever met her. And I could draw her blindfolded. I know her pretty well. How do I know all that? Well, I've worked hard at it, including the drawing, <laughs> portraits. Um, I've worked hard at it, and so I know her. That's what it takes to get to know anybody. It's hard work. You think about that relationship you were thinking about earlier, it's taken hard work to get to know that person, right? Probably harder work for them to get to know you. No, I'm just kidding. The question is, and I've had to ask myself this, do I know God that well? Do I know all of those details about God as much as I can know? You know, I've had two decades with my relationship with God and my relationship with Arlene. Is my bridge to God as strong as it is with my wife? It shouldn't even be a comparison. We understand that our relationship with God should be so much higher, but when we break it down like that, and as far as our knowledge is concerned, how much I know God, we're challenged and convicted. You know, my wife didn't come with a manual, but God does. We're given a huge book that gives us direction on how to understand him, right? I tell you this, marriage would be a lot easier if I got that book with Arlene. Would have saved me a lot of trouble early on. Oh, it's right there in chapter three. Of course I would have avoided that. So we have this direction from the Lord. Do we know what pleases God? Do we know what angers God? Do we know what saddens God, disappoints God? What he expects of us? What encourages him? Is there anything more important than our relationship with God? Is there anything more worth your time to invest in or more valuable in your life or more of an influence on your eternal destiny? So then shouldn't we be investing all we can into knowing our God? You know, I broke up with a girl in middle school and one of the things I said was, I don't even know you. And she looked back at me just as quick and said, well, you never asked. And she was right. I wasn't trying very hard, but I fear some of us are like that with God, like some casual dating relationship. 
Well, I'm here. Isn't that enough? I showed up. I give money. I try to be good. Sometimes I'm not. Sorry. Hey, that's just me. And we can get like that with God, like a middle school relationship. We can get trite and surfacy, and we lose the connection, and the bridge starts to erode. Let me ask you this. Would you even date a person like that? Would you date someone that said, well, at least I'm here. I give you money. I try to be good. Sometimes I'm not. Would you date that? Would you marry that? Would you invest your eternity in that? No, of course not. So we have to make a decision, a decision about how passionate we are in our relationship with the Lord. Amen? Amen. That maybe for the first time or again or for the 40th time, we're recommitting to a passionate relationship with knowing our creator, our father, our daddy, our Abba. Amen? This is the challenge for all of us in this room, taking time to figure out what he wants, dedicating time for him in prayer and in his word. You know, I looked up different bridges online, and I found one bridge. This is what you're looking at on the screen, the oldest bridge in existence, the Arcadico Bridge in Greece, 1300 BC. It's an arch bridge, and it's about 70 feet long, 18 feet wide, connected two cities. Guys, it's still used today. That's how strong it is. It's old school, building bricks Little by little, they lean on each other. They didn't have all the technology that we do today, but this bridge is strong because it's built well at the foundation, and that's how our relationship with God needs to be. Look at this passage in Job 29, verse 4. It's one of my favorites about our relationship with God. It says, oh, for the days when I was in my prime, when God's intimate friendship blessed my house. I know for me, that's the description that I want about my relationship with the Lord, that we have an intimate friendship, that we're connected. And I think to have that, I know in my life, I just got to get back to the basics. I just got to build it like this old bridge, just one brick on another brick. I don't need all the fancy technology. I don't need all the other little gadgets and different effects and things that we can do to embellish whatever relationships we might have. I just need the basic building blocks of a relationship with him. How's your relationship with the Lord? How's your bridge? Are you building with these basic building blocks? You know, a brother challenged me years ago when I was having a hard time in my relationship with God. He says, I want to challenge you to take the 2020 challenge. So what's the 2020 challenge? He goes, 20 minutes of prayer and 20 minutes in your Bible every day. And at the time I heard that, I was a young Christian. I thought, I don't think I can do it. I'm busy. I'm 21 years old. I got a lot going on in my life. And maybe you could even think that. But you know, sometimes we got to start somewhere. Or we have, we have to start again somewhere. 2020. Is it about the time? Are you going to sit there with a timer and go, I, I did it. Check. No. This is about the heart of creating, carving out a time that we know we need in this relationship. Amen? Amen. Point number two. Point number two. A bridge to the church. A bridge to the church. Let's go back to John 17. You guys with me? John 17. We'll just start in verse 9. Jesus prayed for a bridge to the church. He says, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, so he clarifies, but for those you have given me, for those in the body, for the church, for they are yours. Down in verse 15, it says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. 
your word is truth. You know, here Jesus uh, prays for the church, for them to be sanctified, for the word to purify them, to protect them. And you know, the early church that we see develop in the book of Acts and beyond that would come of Jesus' preaching here is quite a mixed church. You got Jew and Gentile, uh, you've got Roman and Greek, you've got men and women, rich and poor. And when I started thinking about a bridge, a bridge in this context, I thought about this bridge that we just got a chance to see a few weeks ago uh, in Tokyo, Japan called the Rainbow Bridge. Have you guys heard of this? It's a really long, cool bridge. You know, the first time I heard about it was on Super Mario Kart on Nintendo, right? Anyone ever play that in the the Rainbow Road? Okay, birthplace of a Nintendo. All right, so the Rainbow Bridge, so cool. Uh, Long, winding, beautiful bridge. uh, Made pretty recently, but at night it lights up like this. Just gorgeous. All different colors of the rainbow. And the people actually named it. Originally it was just called Number 11, but they were like, no, we want the Rainbow Bridge. So they named it. And you know, the Tokyo Rainbow Bridge that that we got to see just a couple weeks ago when we visited our churches in Asia, um, reminds me that the church represents all colors. Amen? It represents all colors, all different kinds of people, different backgrounds, different ages, different personalities, different gifts. And for me, and I think for all of us, whenever we face Jesus, he forces us to face all of our prejudice. Anything that we might have against anybody else, we're going to see it in the church, so we better get over it now. Because we had to be unified with everybody, right? We got to figure out how to build a bridge with everybody that's around. So whatever you came in, whatever baggage you had when you walked in the church doors, Jesus says, time to put it aside. Time to face whatever prejudice you might have. This is our our brother in Christ in uh, the Tokyo church named Katsufumi. He's old school Japanese, grown up in the country, knows how to wield a samurai sword. All right. He's the real deal, holy field Japanese, right? (laughs) He's awesome. And, you know, he grew up in the country outside of Tokyo. And uh, so he was explaining to us that where he was from, they had a lot of prejudice, right? I don't know if we can relate to that city, country, I don't know. But, you know, there's a difference between where you grow up, right? And what you're prejudiced against, right? If you're in the city, you're in the country, you have different prejudices, right? And so he was explaining that out in Japan. And he was talking, I said, well, what kind of prejudice, you know? Uh, you're talking about racial, you're talking about this, that, and the other. And he's like, well, you know, we're, we're homegrown out there in, in the country. And so uh, we believe in strength and in, in the pride of what we can do and skilled with our hands. So our main prejudice, my main prejudice, especially coming in the church, was anyone that wasn't able to do those things. So I said, well, what specifically? He's like, well, anyone that was maybe disabled, Anyone that was maybe deformed or, or some kind of a, a birth defect that didn't allow them to be able to work in some way. So he's being very open and very honest about his struggle and what he had to work through as he came into the church and learned about Jesus and he built his bridge. And he talked to me about how him and his wife had gone into full-time ministry, how they got married, how they wanted to have kids and started to have miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. And you can just see the pain. Uh, that is oh so familiar in those that have struggled with the same thing. And so they decided, after many years of miscarriages and a lot of heartache and tears, that they wanted to adopt. And so as they're thinking about adoption, they're thinking about, you know, what kind of baby they're looking for and all that. And all of a sudden, Katsufumi starts to think about that old prejudice, and it starts to linger back up again. He starts thinking, huh, you know, in my nature, 
I, I, I want to make sure that we have a, an able-bodied, uh, male, strong, young Japanese boy. And so you know who they adopted? They adopted Tenshi, who is uh, Down syndrome, has a lot of different uh, health uh, birth defects, has a hard time breathing, um, and is a girl. He decided to confront all his prejudice, and they decided together that they wanted to raise this beautiful little baby girl. And they named her Tenshi, which means God's treasured one. And I tell you, it's the best baby I've ever seen. She's so cute. She's always smiling. And her parents love her. You can never tell that any kind of prejudice had been in this man's heart. You even look at this picture, right? He will not let her go. And this is the beauty of the rainbow bridge in the church, that we're able to confront our prejudice. Ask yourself, what kind of prejudice did you come in with? What's there? What's lingering? What comes back sometimes? What triggers sometimes? Maybe even coming in church today, you got some triggers. Maybe it reminded you of something that you've experienced before, some kind of abuse. And what God asks us to do is to be like his son, Jesus, and to be able to confront our prejudice and to be like him. You know, we're talking about Tokyo. I got to share a little bit more about the Tokyo church. We uh, had this incredible privilege to visit the church there just recently, and I've shared this with Manhattan, uh, but I got to share it with Brooklyn. You guys want to hear this good news, Brooklyn? All right, check this out. So back in 1949, there was a couple named George and Irene Greganis, and they were missionaries in the Mainline Church of Christ, and they took up a special contribution here in the States, and they raised to go out to Japan and be in the mission field a whopping $3,000. What were they going to do with that $3,000? Well, here's what they were going to do. They went ahead and bought a plot of land for a Christian cemetery. They went ahead and bought a retreat out by Mount Fuji, beautiful. They also bought a plot of land to build a church building and a parsonage where they could live right next to it. Pretty good for 3000 bucks, right? Back in 1949, goes a long way, right? So they built all those things, amazing, built up the church. Eventually, we combined forces with our fellowship, and the Kims were leading the church out there in Tokyo. And in the 90s, uh, they were praying, God, please help us to be able to either renovate the building or expand because we're just way too big for the space. It's dilapidated old building. Around that time, the Japanese government wanted to build a, a road through that space, and so they made an offer to the church, we want to buy basically the front sidewalk off of you for a certain amount of money. At first, they were nervous. Oh my gosh, um, we don't really want to part with this. It's been with us for a long time. And they said, well, let us make you an offer. I said, okay. So it came through, and the offer was for this maybe 16 feet by 7 or 8 feet, little plot of sidewalk in front of their space. They were willing to pay $40 million. So they thought about it for a split second and said, okay, I think we'll do that deal. <laughs> they sold the front sidewalk for 40 million U.S. dollars in the 90s. They didn't even build on it for another 15 years, so they had the space. They used that money to do a lot of things. They built this beautiful brand new building. They invested in the ministry. They planted mission teams. They sent money back to the States. They did all kinds of stuff with that money. And it made me think, you know what? We have a special contribution coming up soon. 
June 11th, special contribution. You know, if you don't know, once a year, our church here in New York and along with our fellowship across the globe gives to our fellow churches all over the place. We give to churches in New York. We support in New Jersey, in Africa, and in the Caribbean. Amen? All these churches that we're able to give them this great gift once a year, we give extra than we normally give, and it helps to build the church. Now, I think we're going to give more than 3,000 this year. Amen? A lot more. You know, actually, the New York church for the last several years has given over a million dollars. A million dollars just from the New York church in Brooklyn and Manhattan have been a huge part of that. So guys, guess what? In five weeks, we get to give again. Are you ready? Some of you look like deer in headlights, and I know you've been members of the church for a long time. You're going, oh, really? Five weeks? Better get my tax refund. Okay, all right. You still have time. Pray. More than anything, pray to have the right heart. Pray that we all give something, you know? All right. I'm just going to keep going. Okay, we're here. We're good. All right. Amen. We're going to keep going. Wonder what triggered it. All right. We had an opportunity in Manhattan to talk a little bit about special contribution. We wrote down on little cards things that we've done in the past and goals we have in the future to be able to raise and give with our hearts. Some people wrote, ah, I can't wait to give my tax refund. Some people wrote, uh, you know, last year I actually took one less vacation. I gave that money uh, to special contribution. Uh, one person wrote, I was unemployed, but I prayed in faith and found a way to give anyway. Another person wrote, uh, I gave special contribution through the company that I work for, and they went ahead and matched it, which doubled my contribution. One person wrote, I realize actually I don't sacrifice for special contribution because in the past I've been so horrible with my personal finances. This year I will give because I'm learning to be a steward of God's money. I appreciate being real right there. Another person wrote, I have always challenged myself to do more each year than the year before. I have as strong a conviction as ever about this now. I love getting to do this. It's a joy. I love that spirit. It's a joy to give a lot of money. And I don't know exactly where it's going to end up. I got an idea, but I'm trusting God. And I've seen the results over the years. And let's do this. I love that. That is awesome. It's one of the reasons I moved to New York City from LA. I don't know exactly what's going to happen when I go there, but hey, I've seen God work before. Let's see what happens. Amen? Some people are like, why'd you move from LA? It's so nice out there. It's so great. Come on, this is New York City, of course. Of course. I want to challenge you guys on your rainbow bridge. How you doing with the prejudice? How you doing getting ready to get back to the church? Amen? Point number three. Point number three and finally, a bridge to the world. A bridge to the world. John 17, let's go back there and read this final text in verse 25. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you've sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. The bridge to the world is making God known to as many people as we can. You know, we visited the Tokyo church. We were also able to visit the church in Indonesia. 
and uh, get into Jakarta. And the church there has a membership of 1,700 Christians, your brothers and sisters, right there in the city of over 10 million. And they have been able to plant churches every single year. They have sent out mission teams. Now the Jakarta church is self-supporting, and so they're able to support other churches. Now they have 34 different satellite churches all around Indonesia. It's very encouraging to see uh, over 2,500 of our brothers and sisters come in to big services like the one we had a couple of weeks ago. You know, when you go to a church uh, abroad, uh, especially as a minister, you got to be ready to work. And so Arlene and I, uh, we were serving, speaking a couple of times a day, doing whatever we could. And one time they said, we want you to go lead a Bible talk, you know, just a Bible discussion. It's about 20 people. Um, just go, just read a scripture and then have a discussion. I said, okay, well, I need like uh, any translation. They're like, no, no, everyone knows English. So I get in a car with someone I didn't know. We started chatting, um, broken, you know, half uh, Bahasa and half English, trying to figure it out, doing sign language. Okay. Uh, his name was Bob, which I thought was great. Um, <laughs> so we get to this location, and as I'm piecing together, the location we're at is owned by one of the Christians there in the church. Uh, he actually not only owns the apartment complex, he runs seven of the biggest hotel chains in all of Jakarta. When he first became a Christian about four years ago, he heard uh, that sometimes it's difficult to find places to baptize, so he went ahead and renovated his whole bottom floor of the apartment complex and turned it into a uh, sort of a baptismal celebration place. Uh, he's got a brand new pool. It's gigantic. Uh, he's got a room just for sharing with a microphone and people to encourage each other, couches and chairs. He built another room just for food and like a catering area all set up so he can bring in food. He's a multimillionaire, and the Bible talks that I was going to was actually every single person there, including all their friends, were multimillionaires. Didn't realize what I was walking into. Um, had, a, had a little scripture on Solomon and all his riches, so that worked out. <laughs> then I discovered they need translation because not a lot of them know English, and there's about 10 people visiting for the very first time that all run factories and are presidents of their own companies, and they were getting translation from me as well. I was a little nervous, but it all worked out. Uh, we figured it out, had a lot of fun. And then as I was hanging out uh, with the guy who was hosting, the one in the middle there, his name's Damien. He's the one that owns all the hotel chains. I learned that he went to the same school I did at USC. Uh, I also learned that another guy, Edward, who had just become a Christian recently, who's one of the top finance guys in all the country of Indonesia, he also went to USC, my alma mater. So we were kind of geeking out about going to the same school and taking pictures. And then I looked down at the coffee table and I see a newspaper there, and I said, Damien, is that your picture? Yeah, that's my picture. It, it's just something in today's paper. I'm like, what do you mean it's something in today's paper? <laughs> yeah, we, ha we made this deal today. It's nothing. You know, just get rid of it. So humble. This guy is one of the most amazing servants. Him and his group, they want to rotate into the ushering at church as much as they can so they can hand out the communion and make sure that everything goes well. These guys are not coming in to be served. They're coming in to serve. We also found something really cool when we were in Japan. A bunch of uh, women started coming up to Arlene and I, and uh, sometimes being translated and sometimes in English, hey, I was converted in New York City. I became a Christian in New York many years ago, and I either came here on the mission team or I'm here to help the church in Japan. These are all the different women. I think there's five in all, including the church leader's wife, that all became Christians here in the New York City church. 
So they have Indonesian Idol out there. And uh, it's the most uh, popular TV show, one of the most popular TV shows in the history of Indonesian television. Um, and then the ratings were soaring, like 2004 to 2009, soaring and then dropped. And they weren't sure why, but one season came back, 2012, season, I think it was seven or eight, because they skipped a couple years. And it broke all the records for Indonesian television. And uh, basically around the same time, uh, there was a sister in the church named Ria. And here's a picture of Ria and Enrico. Ria was part of a pop band uh, in Jakarta called Warna. And Enrico was actually a director before he uh, came part of the church. Now they're both in the full-time ministry serving. But Ria had this prayer every day for 14 years. God, I pray to reach out to a singer in Jakarta that's not only a better singer than me, but will make more impact spiritually in Jakarta than I could ever dream of. She prayed that prayer every day and started reaching out to a girl named Regina. This girl, Regina, just happened to be on Indonesian Idol. She sang. She qualified through a few of the rounds. Eventually, she became your sister in Christ. She became, uh, she, she said, Jesus is Lord, became baptized. This is a picture on the right of her leading a song at church when I'm sitting in the front row taking a picture of Indonesian Idol. She dropped the Idol part. She just wants to serve Jesus as her only Idol now. So she's doing well. Ria's, Ria's prayer, Ria's prayer was answered. And then Regina starts praying, God, I want to reach out to someone who's going to make great impact. So she starts reaching out to one of the contestants on the 2014 um, Indonesian Idol uh, named Noella. And here she is. And she started going through the same process that Regina went through. Eventually, she studies the Bible, comes to church. She decides she wants to make Jesus Lord. She gets baptized. And this is a picture of her leading a song at the next service that I was at, me in the front row taking selfies. Our job is to make God known wherever we go, using every resource that we can, praying in faith that God will use us, praying every day that God will make something amazing happen. This actually is the uh, cool end of the story. Uh, Arlene, my wife, she led a discussion uh, with the leaders, uh, the women leaders in the church in Jakarta. And guess who's there trying to train to go into leadership to help lead in the church? Both Indonesian Idol winners. Their dream is to serve God, to do whatever they can with all their gifts, to serve him with all their heart. The final bridge I want to talk about is the Brooklyn Bridge. Brooklyn Bridge opened over 134 years ago, actually this month, 1883. One of the longest of its kind, steel wire suspension, made New York tough. Guy who uh, designed it and started constructing it, name is John Roebling, and before there was all this technology and tunnel testing and wind resistance, aerodynamics was an issue, so he had to make some guesses. And he decided to go ahead and make it six times stronger than it needed to be in all speculations to make sure that it could withstand any challenges to it. Of course, it still stands to this day. The first year of him building the bridge, his foot got pinned between a ferry and a piling. 
had to amputate it. Top of his leg got infected after the amputation, and he died. He died before he could ever see the bridge completed. The work went on to his son. Three years later, his son gets decompression sickness from working on the bridge. He survives, but he can't even attend the ceremony because he's so sick. It's the kind of service and sacrifice that goes in to any kind of bridge building. When we reach out to the world, when we reach out to the lost, we put ourselves out there and it can take a toll. Our hearts can be hurt. We can feel all kinds of things. These guys, as they built, felt the cost of building a bridge. Before I close, I want to honor an amazing bridge builder among us. And I'm going to give him the honorary title of the Brooklyn Bridge. His name is Nietzsche Aguaya. Nietzsche, I know that he was on his way. They spent a couple hours in traffic trying to get here. I'm not sure if he's arrived yet. Okay. I know he's been battling with cancer for a long time. He's way outlived the time the doctors told him. Uh, I think he's just finished his second book. Is that right? Gave me the honor of designing the cover of his first one. Read it in a night. It was one of the most inspiring reads of my life. His life is inspiring. He is a bridge to so many, and he's been a bridge here in Brooklyn. I don't need to tell you, but he is someone that embodies what it means to serve God with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength. Flat out. Flat out. So we got him a little gift as well. It's a 3D model, metal model of the Brooklyn Bridge. And also from Japan, we got him a small samurai sword. Samurai means servant in the Japanese culture. And for him, he has wielded the word of truth for a very long time as he has served the Lord. So we honor him today. And I know that the legacy in Brooklyn and in the New York City Church of Christ will constantly be building on the faith that he has laid down here. We will make him proud to eternity. The singers are going to come up. I want to invite the singers to come back up. We're going to close with a song. As we close, I want you to think about a bridge, one of the three in your life that you really want to focus on. Bridge with God, bridge with the church, bridge with the world. Maybe it's time to start building brick by brick, old school, like that old bridge. Maybe it's time to restore, to retrace from the beginning and start to rebuild it. Maybe it's time to refine, to make it better, to add on, to expand, to renovate, to spread out. I'll tell you this, don't burn any bridges. That's right. Don't burn any bridges. Keep the door open no matter what happens. And you know what else? There's no one-way bridges in the kingdom of God. Yeah. They're all two-way, and we got to work at that relationship. Let's right. stand up. Every bridge, whether to God, the church, to the world, 
It's about building and asking God in faith to build them strong. And I pray that may God bless the bridges out of Manhattan and out of Brooklyn for now and as long as the earth is our home. Let's close out in song. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.